You are listening to Secrets to Scale. I'm your host, Tanner Scott, CEO of Rangsi Digital Marketing, and this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week on the show, I have Earl Foote. He is the founder and CEO of Nexus IT Consultants. They are a cybersecurity and IT company based out of Park City, Utah. Earl and I talk all about building community and networking and how that can really help our business and how we can go about it in a very authentic way. I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you guys do too. Let's just get right into it. Welcome to the show, Earl. I'm so excited to have you. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. I'm Earl Foote, founder and CEO of Nexus IT Consultants. I'm a 22-year-old IT outsourced support cybersecurity and cloud firm. Awesome, Earl. So how did you get started in cybersecurity? Can you kind of take us on a walk down memory lane? Yeah, for sure. Um, And really, uh, cybersecurity was more of an evolution um, so we, we started in 1998, um, so 22 years ago, and cybersecurity wasn't a real heavy consideration back then. We really started more as a contract IT services firm uh, doing you know, um, essentially um, oh, fractional IT you know, uh, services or departments for organizations and you know, our, our business model has morphed over the years, uh, certainly as cybersecurity has become a bigger concern uh, throughout the years and particularly the last decade, you know, uh, that's where we've really uh, specialized, you know, our our IT support um, and service programs all um, are built with cybersecurity and compliance in mind so that uh, organizations that work with us um, you know, they're, they're secure out the gate and generally all of their compliance uh, considerations are taken care of, which are really, you know, a, a cybersecurity consideration. What are some obstacles that you faced? I mean, you've been in business for 22 years now. I'm sure there's been a lot of them, but are there any that mm-hmm. really stand out? Yeah, man, there, there's been plenty <laughs> in 22 <laughs> years, you know. Uh, um, I, you know, first and foremost is just uh, the reality is when I started in business, at the age of 22 or 23 years old, um, frankly, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I, I hadn't gone to business school. I'd gone to engineering school. Um, and I didn't, I had no knowledge or background or education in, in, in business. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was a massive knowledge gap, uh, a leadership gap, um, connections, of course, uh, financing. We, we've always been a self-financed company, um, and so you know, funding or financing, you know, were, were definitely uh, significant challenges in those early years. Um, proper alignment with the, the partners within the organization uh, was certainly a challenge. And then you know, we 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 formed the organization during the dot-com boom, but we had to go through. The dot-com bust, uh, 9/11, you know, the downturn, the economic downturn that that caused, 
the 0409 downturn. We've dealt with uh, internal fraud and theft to you know some significant quantities uh, in the past when we were a young company and you know didn't uh, put all the checks and balances and all the measures in place to curtail that type of problem. And so there's been we've had our fair share of challenges over the years. Um, we've had to uh, you know fall flat on our face many times and, and figure out how to dust our knees off, get back up, and and, and you know uh, trudge forward for sure. Yeah, you know, I think most people when they start their first business, they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. I think that's the case with a lot of people. It definitely was for me. I mean, I, I definitely had no business getting into the marketing industry with no experience at all in the workforce. Um, but speaking of marketing, how did you handle marketing and sales in the beginning? And how has that evolved over time? Yeah, um, and that's had a massive evolution for us. Um, and that's one of the things I, I didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't know, frankly, you know, um, marketing and sales in, in the early days um, <clears throat> was a uh, was a backslate kind of consideration. We weren't really, you know, we didn't pay much attention to it. So really, we, we grew and marketed through word of mouth, through uh, relationships, um, some networking, but for the most part, um, you know, we had some brick and mortar stores uh, because in the early days we also did, you know, consumer uh, you know, computer services and sold, uh, you know, computers to, to consumers, not just business to business, which, you know, we're now we're just business to business, but, um, the, uh, what was I going to tell you? I mean, we did some radio ads, some, uh, some, uh, newspaper ads, that kind of stuff. Um, most of that, you know, when you're a young company and you're self-financed, you don't have a significant budget to dedicate to that type of thing. And so most of that uh, you can't do for more than a month, maybe three months, and it doesn't produce a whole lot of results for you. How do cyber security companies differentiate themselves? Like what makes you guys different from everyone else? Yeah. Um, so Utah, I think like in most industries is, is a very saturated market um, in our, in our market. It most definitely is. And, and nationwide, you know, there, there are a significant number of IT service providers. Um, there's a couple of, you know, very different things about us. <clears throat> we are very much a boutique type of company. Um, we are a premium service. Um, and uh, first of all, you know, with, with us having uh, cybersecurity compliance built in, to all of our programs and packages, that's that's a unique thing in and of itself. Um, it's not very common. Um, you know, the our our approach to customer service, we call it white glove hyper responsive customer care. Um, we we blow the industry out of the water when it comes to taking care of our customers, and, and by that I mean the industry average nationwide, and actually it's the same here in Utah. Uh, the average ticket response time is about four hours. So when, it, when a client opens a ticket, whether that's phone or email or on your chat or, you know, a portal or something like that, um, the average response time is about four hours. We are under one minute. Um, and the average um, ticket resolution time is about four days and we are under a half hour. So um, just being hyper responsive and giving our clients you know, that, that white glove kind of care approach um, is a big differentiator for us. And then just being very ingrained partners with them. Um, 
you know, we aren't just a standard subpar outsourced help desk. We're, we're very ingrained in our relationships. Um, we are an extension of our client's team. And in most cases, we take over the role uh, of uh, a virtual CIO or virtual IT manager, and we're helping them think and plan strategically and, and understanding how to leverage technology correctly uh, so that they can use it to add to their bottom line and to grow their business rather than it just being a cost center to their business. Um, and so, and, and certainly we, we also augment services for um, organizations who already have a, you know, a CIO or an IT manager. So we don't take on that role, but we, we work with them to achieve their, their objectives and make sure that uh, we're all on the same page. Well, I think that's incredible that you've been able to get those response times down to under a minute. I think that's that's crazy. I mean, but at the same time, like that's how you position yourself as a premium service, right? That's how you create that relationship and keep that partnership intact. So I commend you for that. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So going back to the beginning, was it just you? Did you have any partners? So my, my brother and I were partners um, from 1998 until 2012. We were partners in the business. Cool. So who, who was your first hire and how long did it take until you guys were ready to hire that person? That's a good question. Um, I got to think here. Um, in those early days, it probably took us 12 to 18 months. Um, my brother didn't come on board until, uh, didn't come on board full time, I should say, uh, probably until 24 or maybe even 36 months, you know, after we, we got started. Um, you know, I, I went on board almost immediately uh, full time. And, and then, yeah, it probably took us uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half to bring on that first employee, uh, you know, to, to, um, to ramp the revenue uh, sufficiently so that I had, you know, my salary to take home and then we could also pay for another salary on top of all the other overhead. So fast forward to now, how many employees are you at now? Uh, total um, with interns and um, part-time and that kind of stuff, we're about 30. Very cool. How do you keep your employees around? How do you keep them happy? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think, you know, uh, we're an organization who one of our core values is authenticity. Um, and our culture is, is extremely important to us. And, and we, um, we, we don't, and I mentioned authenticity because a lot of organizations, I think, uh, talking about culture is lip service. And for us, it's not, um, for us, it is, we live and die by it here. Uh, and we've created a culture you know, uh, first and foremost, the most important entity that we serve is our clientele, but second is, is our team members. Um, and so uh, we've, we've created a culture where uh, we have a very productive, high producing, enjoyable, fun dynamic among the team and everybody is rewarded well, they're paid well, they all have opportunities to advance within the organization, they have a career trajectory within the organization um, and they have opportunities to, um, to make incentives above and beyond their base pay so that they're, they are uh, well rewarded. And you, know, you need to have good benefit packages, um, but, but first and foremost, it's just treating people right. Another one of our core values is fairness, uh, fairness, compassion, and the assumption of positive intent. 
um, and the practice of abundance and growth mindset. So when things go wrong and in business, things are going to go wrong, right? Nobody's perfect. No, uh, no individual team member is perfect. Um, sometimes things are not going to go according to plan. And we generally just approach those, you know, in a calm manner. We sit down, we figure out, hey, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? How do we fix that? How do we never have that happen again? Um, you know, certainly when, when there's a repetitive problem, then you have to address it uh, more aggressively. But, but up front, you know, we're, we're, very, um, we're very fair and we assume positive intent. We assume that our team members are always well-intentioned, that they're always trying to do the right thing. Just sometimes things don't go according to plan. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I think uh, so many businesses get this wrong where they just will fire someone over a single mistake. And I think that that's so detrimental to the company's culture, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you, again, if there's repetitive problems, you know, sometimes you have to take disciplinary action. But, uh, you know, for the most part, um, even even with fairly significant problems that come up, you can sit down and work through those. And those those boost morale so much when 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 your team members know you have their back and that you're going to take care of them, uh, especially if they have you know if they've messed up and they know they've messed up, um, then you know they 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 will have your back going forward and they know um, you know that that, uh, that they want to to fix those problems and they want to achieve because. They know that you're you're going to have their back. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. So you're super involved with Silicon Slopes, right? And for anyone listening that doesn't know what this is, Silicon Slopes is a nonprofit organization in Utah that just basically serves as a hub for Utah's tech industry. Do you feel that your heavy involvement with Silicon Slopes has helped you scale your business more? Yeah, most definitely. Um, and you know. Uh, we we very much believe in building community, um, you know, and connecting authentically again, you know, having genuine connections. Um, so, you know, our leadership team, our sales teams, uh, you know, we, we encourage them all to uh, to foster genuine relationships. And Silicon Slopes has most definitely uh, helped us do that. Certainly, it's, it's put us more on the radar as well. Um, but being part of a... Um, you know, of a healthy, thriving tech community here in Utah and having relationships with a lot of the other tech companies out there with uh, SaaS companies, um, with their founders, uh, you know, it, it gives you a, a network and a community to draw upon when you need ideas, when you need help solving problems. Um, and most definitely, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes it leads to new business. Yeah, I mean, it's like networking is super important, not only because it can get you more business, but like you said, building that community, having people to bounce ideas off of, really just creating a family of other business owners and ultimately more friendships, right? Totally. What can aspiring entrepreneurs do to get started in uh, networking like that? Like, like, what's the process? Yeah. I, I think, first of all, um, you have to do some trial and error. You have to uh, test out different groups to see what fits um, for the objectives that you have. Uh, you know, if you're in a specific industry, you probably want to get involved in industry-specific groups. Um, there may be other groups that are really not applicable, and you're not going to really 
um, be in touch with other business leaders that um, either can help you grow and be part of your, your network or who are potential targets for your products or services. And so, um, you know, figure out the right places to be um, where you're going to be in contact with the community that you need that can help you grow your business either through ideas and problem solving or through, you know, uh, business development opportunities. But, uh, you know, the thing I would, I would caution is, is learn how to connect in an authentic way. Don't walk into a, and I, I really don't use or, or love the word networking. Um, honestly, it, it, um, I don't know, the, the connotation uh, for me anymore isn't right. I, I really prefer building community. Um, and, you, you know, we walk into scenarios with that mindset of we're going to build community. We're not here just to, um, to be fly by and see what we can extrapolate out of the group as quickly as possible. If you have that mentality, you're probably never going to actually um, uh, receive any benefit from being part of a, a, of a group. But if you go into a group with an idea of I'm going to build a community, I'm going to, I'm going to help and I'm going to give first. Um, and that might be giving ideas. It might be, you know, helping other businesses solve challenges. It might be connecting them with, with somebody that is a potential client for them. If you go in with that sort of, you know, mentality, um, I believe in karma, you know, karma comes back around and, uh, when you give first, you're going to get at some point in the end. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you have to approach it in the value first approach. You need to give value before you can take value. Right. But I mean, we're talking about groups of successful business owners. They can smell that stuff from a mile away. If you are there with the wrong intentions, it's not going to last. Right. Yeah. If you're superficial, you'll never get a, a good conversation. Completely agree. What's one piece of advice you could give to anyone listening that's has an intention or they want to be an entrepreneur? Um, I would say, first of all, you know, believe in yourself, believe in your dreams and pursue those um, and get help along the way. Uh, I, I took way too long in our ramp up to, uh, to really begin to engage with mentors or coaches or peer groups um, and, you know, uh, fumbled for, for, you know, a number of years before I really started to uh, fill my knowledge and skill set gaps when it came to business and, and leadership. Um, and so that's the first thing I, I, would, I would start to do. You know, there's organizations like SCORE out there, um, you know, that's uh, um, part of the SBA. It, it's a non-cost or no-cost, you know, type of organization where you can go and meet with mentors and, and they'll help you formulate your business plan and skill your, uh, excuse me, uh, fill your knowledge gaps and help you understand how to get financing and all sorts of things. Right. Um, so, uh, get involved as soon as you can with community, um, get involved with peer groups, um, get involved with coaches, with mentors and, um, you know, uh, understand what it's going to take for you to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs that don't get help, I mean, like you said, you're just going to stall. You're not going to be able to really reach your full potential right away. I think that we really do need help from others to learn even just more about ourselves, but more about our business and things that are going to help us grow. Totally. Agree. What, 
what do you what do you think your secrets to scale are very good question um for us you know it's it, it, that's been an interesting journey um i think when you're in a product-based business um that that's often a lot easier um you know nailing your product uh and then scaling it at a rapid pace uh is significantly easier than when you're in a service industry and your product is human capital. Um, and so for us, it's been a very concerted effort and journey, first of all, to create the right culture so we attract the right human capital. Um, and then, you know, it's been a journey of keeping that culture intact so that our, you know, our team members want to produce, they want to collaborate, they want to be cohesive, um, and they want to produce for our clientele. Um, it, you also, you know, for us, it's a matter of ongoing education and training and guidance and coaching. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would say generally, you know, from my experience, and maybe, you know, others have had different experiences, uh, service-based businesses, you probably, uh, you have to scale at a slower pace. Than you, than you can with a product-based business. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a matter of, and, and system and process is super important. Um, while we don't encourage people to be robots in, within our organization, um, and in fact, one of our other uh, core, you know, core values is empowered shared leadership and autonomy. Um, and so, uh, but we provide baseline, you know, guidance, um, you know, so that our, our team members understand how to interact correctly with our, our clientele, how to provide value, um, how to uh, avoid common pitfalls. Um, and then we let them, you know, take the reins and run with their, their roles. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey for us to kind of figure out that, that scaling it uh, component. Yeah. I mean, to me, systems and processes is more of just like a general guideline to prevent catastrophic problems. Right. I mean, it, to me, it's more of a resource to your employees so they don't have to ask you a million questions on how to do their job, right? What do you think about that? Yeah, I completely agree. We have, we have a, you know, a process library. We call it success processes. I know, you know, uh, most, in, or most companies refer to them as SOPs or standard operating procedures. Um, and so we, we have a library and our team is encouraged, you know, uh, when you have a question, the first thing you do is refer to that library. It's a digital library, so they can search it. Um, you know, they, they can search for a term that they're, uh, they have a question about. Certainly, they can turn to their, you know, to their colleague that's sitting at the, dex, uh, the desk next to them. Uh, but we also encourage them to use that library. And that's a library that we continually add to. Um, in fact, we, we, one of the incentives we actually give our team members on a monthly basis is, uh, you know, they, they get a bonus if they write a success process. Uh, and so... That, that keeps our, our library dynamic. It keeps it uh, growing, uh, you know, and, and uh, keeps it fresh with new information that, uh, you know, uh, that is um, coming all of the time, particularly in the technical industry. Things change so quickly. You know, we have to keep our, our library of, uh, of processes up to date. Yeah, I think that's super, a really cool idea, you know, like offering them incentives to keep it updated because, you know, a lot of businesses just put it out there and then it just sits there and collects dust. They don't really update it. So it's not, it, it ends up not being what it was supposed to be, right? So I, I think that's a really good way to combat that is by offering them an incentive. And I've never heard of that before. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that. 
honestly, it never, you know, we, we were never able to keep it up to date. It was like leadership would write the processes um, and then, you know, they wouldn't really get uh, used or uh, they would quickly go out of date um, until we implemented, you know, we, we decided, look, you know, the people that are in the trenches day in and day out, they're the ones that are most intimately familiar with what's going to work um, and what, you know, their other teammates need to know. And so they need to write them. Um, and so we, we started asking them to write them. And honestly, there was no headway made until we incentivized it. Once we, we started, you know, offering a bonus uh, for every SOP that they write, th that's when, you know, we started getting a, a far more vast library of, of, uh, of processes placed. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to write processes all day. It's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Is, is there anything I have not asked you that you think might benefit the audience? Um, you know, I, I think just one of my keys to, I guess a couple of my keys to, you know, finding success uh, within, you know, my own profession, uh, within my career, and, um, you know, within our organization is, uh, first of all, just, uh, you know, understand that, that you're not perfect, um, that you always have room to grow and learn and to change and adapt and, and evolve and be entirely open to uh, whatever feedback you might receive or to um, other people who help you understand your blind spots and be open to working on those things, you know, filling those knowledge gaps and those skill set gaps. Um, but for me also, just the practice of, of abundance and growth mindset have been uh, pivotal to, to, you know, to my success. And, and um, if you're not familiar with them, I would look them up, you know, uh, get more familiar with them. Um, anyways, that's a, just a quick piece of advice. Awesome, man. Well, this has been really amazing. What's a good way for everyone listening to get in contact with you? Yeah, probably the best thing to do is follow me on my LinkedIn profile. Just look up Earl Foote, uh, CEO of Nexus IT. Uh, you can email us at info at nexusitc.net or our website is www.nexusitc.net. Awesome. Well, we'll also link up those in the show notes. But anyways, I really appreciate it, Earl. You have a great one. Tanner, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scale. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more episodes like it, go ahead and click on that subscribe button. Music for this podcast was written and produced by Trace and Clossy. 